My name is Sanal, and this is The Discourse, a series of episodes where I dive into and tackle the most relevant topics within the school system. In today's episode, we're talking about the tech revolution, the innovation through internet, and the amelioration of education with technology. I'm joined today by Ms. Teresa Eastman, the Instructional Facilitator for Technology here at Dominion. So what is your job as an IFT? What do you do? Um, my job is primarily to help train the teachers in meaningful ways to incorporate technology in their lessons, and I can also reset all of your passwords. So what did you do before you decided to become an IFT? I was an English teacher for 13 years, uh, seventh through ninth grade, and um, my school went one-to-one several years ago. I was one of the pilot teachers for it. I love the technology in the classroom, and I really enjoyed helping my friends and my colleagues get more comfortable with tech, so I became level two Google certified and uh, applied when the job came up at Dominion. The learning curve is much more steep than I anticipated because I figured education is education is education. It's all Northern Virginia, and changing from Fairfax County to Loudoun was definitely a cold dunk of water. Really getting into more of the the coaching aspect with technology than just being kind of like in the minute tech help is a a shift for the community even here. So it's been an adjustment, but I've really enjoyed it. People have been very patient with me while I'm kind of learning the ropes. So I'm assuming as an English teacher earlier in your years, you probably didn't have that much technology integration. So how was the switch to actually yourself having to learn and then having to like teach other people how to use it? I was very eager to. Um, my husband laughed. He's a math teacher. And, you know, we, we went from the early days of our you know teaching careers. You still had like laminated pages that you showed on an overhead projector that you would write on like while the kids were taking notes in their like actual like little spiral notebooks versus like the first year that we went one to one. I was so excited. I'd read all these books and I'd done all these trainings on PBL and blended you know learning and I was coming home after an eight-hour school day and spending two three four hours making all these blended things and playing with stuff for my kids for like the next week so it was fun but it's very different when you know the old school traditional like here's your paper here's your pencil here's your book that's all you need and now this kind of world opened up that you know was so interesting for my students because I saw kids that you know who might be very quiet in class having like a digital forum and discussion board for them open things up like kids that loved Padlet and they loved Google Slides because they could participate in a different level so I didn't see that early on in my teaching because didn't exist I, I didn't know how to bring that out in them the technology helped that so just the entire way I saw the world and how my classroom could be you know it was it was enlightening but yeah it's it's a big change a big change yeah so what were your initial thoughts of the tech integration you said you were really eager about it do you have any doubts or anything I came from the generation when cell phones like were kind of a big deal in like the late 90s early 2000s we weren't allowed to have them at school don't have not even don't have them on like you were not allowed to bring them onto the property because you know goodness knows what could happen with them um, and of course like this is before we even had like social media like the idea that this kind of like exploded from the fears of our old teachers like it's so funny because it's used in such a productive way but you know that the concern is okay it's gonna be a tool or is it gonna be a toy and I think a lot of technology gets used as a toy. So how can we make sure that it's a tool in the classroom? And that became the strict focus. We need to stay on top of it. These things are new, they're constantly changing, and we are now serving a population of your generation that needs to have these tools because it's changing so quickly. So then we look at like all these tools and nifty things that come out that are engaging, are they safe? And I think that's a bigger concern right now for classroom use with these things than just the engagement piece.
there's definitely some repercussions to having technology in school, especially with safety. There's also other repercussions with the actual user. So how is technology abused or overused and how have you seen that been happening? So technology is kind of like this double-edged sword. If you're fighting the good fight to provide like equity for students, um, it opens up this whole world of possibilities, right? All, all those great educational cliches about how wonderful things could be. And there are opportunities that like my generation and my parents, um, they, they couldn't fathom that revolution has been happening for 20 years and it's such a, a stark change. Um, you know, we always hear about like the jobs that we're preparing this generation for, ones that we don't even know will exist yet. But I think that we can see classroom technology in particular being abused when it's a babysitter. I think it's misused when it's just substituting a traditional assignment without offering more options for personalized learning. Um, there was an article in the Baltimore Sun right before winter break that the Baltimore County schools had spent like $150 million on a laptop program over four years and decided that it has produced um, little change in student achievement. And of course, they're, they're talking about standardized test scores. When we look at wanting to integrate technology, we're, we're looking at not just the test scores, but the, the pieces of communication and collaboration and creativity and, and resilience that are subjective. And those voices weren't really heard in that article. But I just thought it was interesting that, you know, just putting a, a device um, in somebody's hand doesn't guarantee it's gonna be quality instruction. And it's funny to me because the pendulum's kind of swinging back, you know, like the, the idea of what PBL is now has been a big buzzword in the last couple of years. I'm from the group that took the very first eighth grade writing SOL in 1998. I, I remember taking this horrible writing exam about like what the most hilarious moment of my life was and like you're 12. That was the whole movement then into standardized testing. But prior to that, it was all about projects and interactive stuff, uh, but that was considered too fluffy and soft skills. And, and now we're kind of realizing like, no, you do need those skills. And so it's kind of coming back back now and I think technology can offer that but if it's not used responsibly and productively it's just another screen. Yeah and I think you're saying it's this new amazing thing that we want to say makes learning more effective and more helpful. I think also it's becoming kind of like a replacement and just like a substitute just it's the same for all the students and it's not as on the like personal level as you're saying. Our generation we've grown up with iPhones now right and there's like every eight-year-old has an iPhone and we're getting so used to it I don't think we're able to value exactly what we're supposed to use it for and I think definitely in some cases we're not told how to use it in the proper ways so were the consequences of technology in being in the hands of young people how is that considered so it wasn't in uh, Loudon when that was originally discussed with expanding your guys one-to-one -one program um, in Fairfax there was me a science and a history teacher we were the little trio of one-to-one -one pilots you know three four years ago now um, and all we were told is the implementation had to be successful we kind of had to define what success was going to look like um, and it was a very interesting organic experience um, and my school had already embraced a bring your own technology policy which I think a lot of school systems have done the one-to-one -one piece to this really is to try and provide equity for students who maybe aren't able to have their own laptops or cell phones or, or whatever the case may be um, so by the time I got here to Dominion openly having technology in the classroom it, it wasn't an option for you not to the expectation set on literally day one of training for staff this past summer was that these books are opened, you know, once a block. Not all block, you know, wall to wall. I don't think that's what good education is, but that, you know, the kids are using these devices once every 90 minutes. Um, so I think when they were looking at then how is that gonna impact the education and, and, and the day, uh, the ins and outs, it really was a matter of 
having something that would be engaging and having something that was going to allow teachers to scaffold and meet needs of many students in many places in one class. With the integration of technology and education, it's becoming more accessible to people, as you said, who maybe like can't get those tools on their own. And I think it's also making technology this kind of like crutch almost. If someone shows up to a class without like the Chromebook now, you can't really do anything. You might miss an assignment and it's making us so like dependent on it. So how do you think we should balance how dependent we're on technology? I think that's true. I mean, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said of less screen time. Um, you know, there are these articles about uh, schools in Finland and they have just said, you know, we're, we're gonna be zero tech. Um, and they score really, really well when we look at, you know, their academic achievement, you know, in the world. So they gotta be doing something right. Um, France just did a thing for this school year where they banned smartphones um, below ninth grade. The kids can have them in like bags or lockers, um, but they're to be off, but you are not to use these things at all in, in school. Um, and part of it is because they're, they're looking at something full in the face that you guys are dealing with stuff that we never had to. I didn't have to worry about likes and shares on my social media. I didn't have to worry about cyber bullying. Um, you know, it's been horrifying to see as a teacher um, the fallout, not only just emotionally and, you know, but legally of, you know, pranks and jokes that uh, photographs that are taken in bathrooms and locker rooms, you know? So it's, it's something where, and, and that's looking at extreme cases, but you know, we, we have this, this tool that can be, you know, good or bad. Um, and I think really getting, getting it through to everybody, it's not just a your generation thing, it's, it's a my generation thing too, is that this should be the tool and not the toy. This should be the, the access point and not the babysitter. Um, and, and that comes through a paradigm shift. You know, we are very used to seeing old school education be the, the sage on the stage, and that's changing, and it's gonna be changing. The, uh, the guy that's the head of the IFTs is a wonderful man named Josh Tom, and he likes to remind us that there are two people in the school in, in their actual descriptions of their jobs are kind of responsible for the vision and the growth of the building. And one is the lead principal, so Dr. Brewer, and the other one is the instructional facilitator for technology, is me. And so looking at what blended learning and PBL and um, you know, flipped classrooms can offer our students, um, you know, my job is to get the staff comfortable in, in providing that. You're talking about these other schools in different kind of France and Finland and how, as shown in like researches, their scores are a lot higher. How do you think the path within the next few years of how technology and education together, or where do you think it'll be going? I'm hoping that we're going to see more portfolio-based, you know, um, I'm not thinking of the right word for this. I hope that we're going to see more portfolio reflections um, of students' academic success. There's a, a program in Fairfax that I was interested in when I was working out there. Um, that's the Capstone Project, and it deals a lot with just like a, a year-long PBL passion project kind of thing um, for students. Very, very young, they start. I mean, you, you see great projects, you know, um, at the high school level, but even the middle schoolers. And so I think we're going to see more of that. I attended a conference at the beginning of December called VISTI. It's the big Virginia Tech Ed Conference for Teachers um, down in Virginia Beach. And I specifically attended a session that was from the Department of education and it was about their their view of blended learning and I went into it um, not expecting much you know because these are the people responsible for the SOL like I, I've lived the SOL I've given the SOL I'm not impressed with the SOL um, 
And I left there feeling so good. The two women that are responsible for kind of blended learning um, for the state and the visions with that, they are they are so eager and so um, well read and just they really want to see all the different avenues that students can show achievement and, and how we can bring those opportunities to them. So I think that's going to be a big part of the shift that we see in the next couple of years. Um, I don't think that we're going to see tests, you know, standardized tests necessarily going anywhere. Um, I think that's kind of the nature of the beast right now until we get a, a bigger picture paradigm shift. But I'm hoping that, you know, the advent of having technology and really tapping into those collaboration and creativity and global citizenship kind of pieces that our students are going to have more than just one day with one test score to show what they can do. They're also being sent now with technology. You're able to like send things virtually to colleges and now we have, we're leaving this footprint as we're going through life everyone every job every interviewer is going to be able to see exactly what we did how do you think that's affecting the future of like students i mean i think we're, we haven't seen that yet we haven't seen exactly what that's going to look like i think of my friends who you know post silly things that their kids do and say on social media thinking oh man 15 years from now and they are able to to search you up are they really going to be thrilled that you put that picture of them in the bathtub for everybody to see um and then they can search their name and their bosses can see it and it's like it, it's you know um, it's funny to me, but no, it, it's it's amazing how technology has kind of provided, really starting with your generation, the ability to connect with people from different cultures, different backgrounds. Instantly, you guys have access to other people's experiences through through audio, through pictures, through video. And I think about my world in middle and high school, where I was just in this like little ignorant bubble as a kid, um, and, and it was something where you know you guys are truly these global citizens, uh, and I'm in awe of that. But but uh, it's also, you know, the Spider-Man issue, great power and great responsibility. With communication, being able to communicate so quickly, so fast, and not being able to take back whatever you put out on the internet, there's so many problems with going on Instagram, people leave hate comments on people, or they like post bad things about other, like their friends or people they don't even know. And as you said, uh, with great power comes great responsibility. And I don't think that a lot of people, especially in my generation, with like what I've seen from my like use on Instagram or Snapchat, and all these things. I think there are a lot of people who don't know the value of what they're using and they don't know how to use it properly. And I think even though this is so great, like you can you can communicate with people across the world, that also leaves so much room for mistakes and so much room for more hate and so much war. And I think even in like, not to get too into politics here, but with Twitter and with right. and all the news and that, that whole uh, method of like communication and telling journalism when you're like trying to tell the people something there's a lot of miscommunication misinterpretation of things through technology and that also like messes up how people perceive technology as sometimes being a bad thing they're like right. oh cyberbullying is this is so awful it's because all these kids have phones they paint technology as being such like, a bad tool oh you're using it too much or there's they shouldn't be giving the, all this technology to students and i don't think that technology is a problem i think it's the people who are using it you know, talking about like the, these things that you can't take it back, right? Congresswoman um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that a video of her dancing in college, right, came back. Uh, and man, she turned that around because she danced in the hallways of, uh, <laughs> of the Congress building. But yeah, it, it is. It's, it's one of those things where I think of stuff that I went and put online back when there was MySpace and LiveJournal. And it's like, oh my gosh, I don't want somebody finding that. I don't want somebody, you know, because it, it just, we didn't, we thought we were calling out into a void. 
you know, and now everything is archived. Everything can be found again. Everything is cached that can reflect on you. We see that, you know, with people when you apply for jobs, we see that, as you said, with stuff with politics, if you go into politics, they're going to find, you know, everything they can on you. Um, we see it with things like the, uh, the Oscars and the Golden Globes, you know, somebody's going to go find your tweets from however many years ago, and you're going to be judged now on that. And, and I think that opens up an entire other debate on, you know, if that's fair, if that's right, if people can change, if people repent. But that's a really hard lesson to be taught when you are 13, 14, 15, 18 years old. It is hard to learn, especially when you're already using technology so much and you start out not using it right. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, especially like my age, they probably started using like social media before they actually got to like Google Docs and like they don't know how to use like the drive because they don't know how to share like documents or get to teachers things, but they know every way around Instagram. They know all the hacks to do all this stuff. They don't know exactly who's on there. I think it's great that kids know how to use this technology because they're going to use it so much. Like the fields are changing so much. IT, science, medical, engineering, everything. Even like uh, entertainment in culinary school, like things that you didn't think would like really use technology are using it now. And I think without kids actually being able to explore it or know about it, they wouldn't be able to survive really because it's becoming like so integrated into our lives. You're putting your life on the internet, like especially with social media. you should know that that's going to be there forever. That's who, that's the imprint you're leaving. That's what people are going to think of you. That's you're optionally putting that out there. But kids my age don't really see that. Probably like I don't think you would have thought that when you're 15. Like oh my god, my interviewer in 30 years is going to see that I was dancing in the hallways or something like college. <laughs> no. um, it, it wasn't even a possibility when I was 15 years old. I mean seriously, we're, we're talking about 1999, and and the idea that anybody when I'm an adult could see things from when I was a teenager that are embarrassing and awkward and you know cringeworthy um how how are they going to do that it you know unless they were able to call up my grandma kind of thing um whereas like yeah now it's out there or even more so like I might not put that embarrassing picture up but somebody else might on my behalf right um and and I think that that's hard um and we talk a lot too about like with my my group of tech coaches and my friends that are into instructional technology that there's the difference between you know the the digital natives being app savvy and actually being tech savvy and so i think really like my my goal with instructional technology is to help with the tech savvy part but you hit on something that i think is really insightful that just being tech savvy with something whether it's an app whether it's you know a device whatever tech then you are dealing with as an adult in a job hopefully you'll at least be more comfortable with kind of navigating it even if you're learning something from scratch because the other tech pieces from your past kind of build that foundational knowledge. Also, we have time for today. Thank you to Ms. Eastman for talking with me, and she'll be coming by again to continue talking about technology and internet in the part two continuation. So make sure to keep an eye out for that. My name is Sanal Prakash. This has been The Discourse, and I will see you guys next time.